are you? I'm so good. How are you? Pisces full moon. Oh, it's hit me. I gotta say, yeah, <laughs> too hard, too much. Oh, I did go on my Instagram story the other day, and like four people were like, "Is anybody else having crazy anxiety right now?" Like, I'm just really deep in my feels, and I was like, "Yeah, actually, I am too." <laughs> yeah, my period started on the Pisces full moon. So it's extra. It's extra. But you're really like tuned in to what's going on. I like to think so. Sometimes too tuned in. You know what I mean? I got to tune out sometimes and deal with my shit because not that I'm dealing with other people's shit, but sometimes I am. And then just going through some life things. I got some big decisions to make coming up. I don't know. It's hard. I know. I feel like too, even. You saying like, got to take the time to deal with your shit. Sometimes we're just like in autopilot or we're just getting through or we're focusing on like the next task. And you're like, oh, shoot, there are actually things that I need to be accomplishing for myself and myself only. Yeah. And it's so hard to prioritize things that I need for myself that don't necessarily feel productive and like putting off productive things for it. When I know... Obviously, it's productive to take care of yourself, but like, why do I feel like it's not? I don't know. I have a really good example. I just made an appointment to like set up a relationship with a doctor to have like a primary care doctor because I've decided that now I don't want to deal with getting sick after every time I eat for a long time. It was just like, oh, no, this is fine. Like, I can get through the day. And yeah, like maybe I feel sick 30 minutes after I eat, but in the long run, like who really cares? And now I'm like, oh, I care. (laughs) The long run is me. Yeah, I feel that. I have a chronic issue that I've been dealing with since I was 14, which we should talk about on another episode because wouldn't be that fun, but like people can relate. (laughs) Like I hope they're relating right now. So sorry. Absolutely. We're starting this one on a bummer, but summer's coming to an end. There's a lot of feels in the air. I feel like we've said several times, like change of season, change of mood, but it really is like there's no way that your surroundings can change and you cannot feel that. Like, I think it totally makes sense. Right. We're part of nature. We are nature. And so with that, welcome back to the Honey and Heart podcast, everyone. We talk about womanhood and leadership. We think we're rethinking this. Season two is coming up. Okay. We are nearing the end of our season one, a full year of Honey and Heart, which is wild, but awesome. And thank you for being here through it all. So we're getting ready to wind down and we have a lot of exciting things in the works. So right now we do release new episodes every other Wednesday, but that will also be changing and (laughs) you will hear about that soon. But the soonest place you could hear it is at Instagram at Honey and Heart Pod or our website, honeyandheartpod.com. And you can sign up for our email list and you'll get all this news as soon as it comes out. It's going to be really exciting. Yes. And if you're already part of the Honey and Heart community, thank you so much for being here. Crazy that this started back in January. And when you're listening to this episode, we're going to be in October, fall, almost a year in. So truly, thank you so much for being here. 
We're excited for the changes coming in season two. But one of the exciting things in season one is our lovely intro music by the Bo McDowell. He adds to the soundtrack that is Honey and Heart, and we're so thankful for it. And so without further ado, let's get into it. We are talking insurance today. So buckle up. It's going to be a, a ride, but more like it's a small world and not like Space Mountain kind of. Yeah, not the one that you would like choose to go to, but the one you hit out of obligation. <laughs> yeah, which like, you know, there's some cool parts of it's a small world. Yeah, we love the cultural references. We love the song. I like the boat. I like the smell. I like the colors. Yeah, the colors are great. <laughs> so that's how this ride is going to go because insurance is obviously so boring. And no offense, Jacqueline, because her day job is related to. Yes, insurance and benefits. So just a little bit of background, I would say in my current job, I work in like outsourced human resources. So it's very much like benefits and insurance. So I talk about these things all day and in my own personal life and in talking to Taylor, we both realized that there's like a lot of things we don't know or a lot of things we should know or a lot of things that it took us a long time to realize. And so we thought that since we're in the middle of open enrollment for a lot of people, this is like the season of open enrollment, that we would give kind of a crash course of insurance to hopefully help gear you up to make some good decisions. Yeah, for sure. Going off of like our last episode with Hannah, we talked about like finances being like one of the things you're just supposed to like understand as an adult. Like I swear to God, the only info I got in high school about budgeting was one day in, I don't even know what the hell class this was. All I remember in this class is that we watched Shark Tank all the time. It was senior econ. (laughs) Yeah, this is econ. In high school, I watched Shark Tank all the time. And then one day in one class, we had to fill out a budget. AP Econ. <laughs> yeah, we were in, we were advanced students. Watching Shark Tank with one day of budgeting. I swear we watched Shark Tank every other day in that class. I don't even remember turning in assignments in that class. In fact, I don't even think we had to most of the time. But yeah, we had one budget and it... It had everything. They're like, just fill this out. Okay. Now, now, you know, you know how to handle this. So insurance is one of those things. Most adults that I talk to, granted they're men, do not understand insurance either. And I know this is my own experience, but I literally had a guy at work the other day ask me how to make a doctor's appointment. I'm like, well, are they in your network? And they're like, what? I think that growing up, you have like the parent who's like the insurance parent and the insurance parent is like the doctor parent. So for me, it was like my mom always had better benefits or give or take. But for the most part, like my mom made the appointments. My mom had good enough insurance. So that was like my mom's momentum was put behind that, if that makes any sense, like her help. But like, you know, things got done because my mom got them done for us, which I'm very thankful for. And I think that, you know, being on your parents' insurance until you're 26, like a lot of these things, it allows you to kind of stay under your parents' wing for a while, which I think is great. And you should utilize that. I would say go so far as to exploit that if you can. But 
then there's going to come a point where you're like, oh, shoot, I'm 26 years old and I've never really known what to do when it comes to insurance. I do feel like I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Yeah. Let's take it back. In the U.S., most insurance is through our employer. We know that. If you're lucky and if you hit that 30 hours a week, then your employer is required to provide health insurance for you. And we're just talking health insurance. Okay, I'm going to lean on Jacqueline a lot throughout this conversation, obviously. So health and right? Like, they don't have to give us anything else. They do. As far as for, like, part-time employees, I'm not entirely sure. I do think it depends, like, state to state. There is a federal mandate, but for some groups of employers, depending on how many people they employ and like a million other variables, there is a minimum that they have to offer. So like even when I was a server, for example, I would say 90% of the people that I served with didn't have insurance, but there were the few folks who, you know, took the time to make sure that they always had 30 hours a week. And then those people became eligible for medical, dental, and vision. So there are some kind of like nuances there. Some, there's a zillion nuances nuances. But one thing with insurance being tied to work, like that is very much the standard in the US. And that's not the norm across the world and across different countries. And that's where kind of when people say socialized healthcare or government healthcare, it means that it's coming more from the system and your government rather than your individual employer. So we definitely have a unique experience here in the US. Yeah, I think... I'm not going to give a number because I don't know exactly, but I think there are, we're like maybe one of three of like the developed countries that don't have universal healthcare. I think that's the number. And we also have the highest per capita healthcare spending in the entire world. So you can do that. Maybe the two are related. Maybe. It is interesting, like tying back to our conversation last week, like when it comes to budgeting, the fact that in the U.S. you do, you are recommended to budget for like a huge medical expense. Like that is something that when you're making your list, like, okay, well, worst case scenario, what happened if you got in an accident? Would you be able to cover your medical expenses and having to kind of keep that in mind? That's definitely an extra stress to this. Yeah. And even with your employer providing health insurance, that insurance is not always 100% covered. Uh, Most of the time, people are paying out of pocket at least a certain percentage to their healthcare benefits and even more once you get into the world of dependents. So when you have kids, your employer doesn't cover their health insurance costs most of the time. And that's coming out of your pocket, your paycheck, and it's be a lot of money. It could be as much as your rent is per month. Yes. I've had conversations with people who, you know, they took a, a different job and then after getting the job and have after having elected into their benefits, looking at how much their monthly cost was, they're like, I was making more money at the other job. We had better benefits. So, you know, I was given this big number to sign on and kind of change employers, but now my take home, my end of the day take home pay is less. And so that is definitely something to get factored in. We are talking terms. So let me give a couple brief disclaimers and then we can get into some like common terms that I think you should know. So we're going to be talking about 
benefits in relation to your employer. So employer-sponsored benefits. This is meant to be like a foundation to give you just a general understanding of what different terms mean, how they work for you to hopefully help you better navigate. If you do not have employer-sponsored healthcare, there are some additional options you could do through healthcare.gov. That's through the Affordable Care Act. There are also individual health plans. I was on a short-term health plan while I was in between jobs because there was a global pandemic. Not sure if you heard about it, but I was really worried that I would potentially get sick and not have coverage. So I was on like a nine-month plan that I just paid for out of pocket. Those are an option. Also, if you're a part-time employee, I recommend speaking to your human resources, your manager, whoever, to see if there are potentially some options for you that you may not know about. Because just because these employers have to give benefits or should be giving benefits doesn't mean that they're always communicating that as openly as they should be. So first thing we said, open enrollment. We said it's like open enrollment time. So what open enrollment is, is it's the opportunity for you to change your benefits. It comes around every year. Taylor was just saying, I think before we started recording that hers is right now with her company. Mine is right now with my company as well. And that's kind of like the open marketplace. I hope that I'm not using some term I shouldn't be, but that's kind of You are able to choose any of the benefits that you're eligible for that are available to you through your employer. So you can change your dental plan if you need to, change your medical plan if you need to, that thing. Yeah, then you get locked in in the next year unless you leave a job. Yes, so you are locked into your benefits for the remainder of the plan year. So for example, like we are in open enrollment right now for plans that start in 2022. So we're both picking what coverage we want to have starting January 1. And then that will go through until December 31st of 2022. So like at my job a lot, like I'm talking to people about what their plans are for like 2023. And I'm like, who talks a year and a half out into the future? But there are some people who for certain medical reasons or whatever, they do kind of have to game plan and set themselves up to be in a good position a year or so from now. So now you've picked your benefits or you're picking your benefits and there'll be some terms you're seeing. So first I wanted to start with premium, which premium is like the monthly amount you pay. Taylor said like what's being taken out of your paycheck. So that is like your monthly premium as the employee paying for your medical insurance, your dental insurance, your vision insurance. Yeah, I mean, that's the easy one, right? It's just what you pay. You would be surprised, but yes, it is like just what you pay. Sometimes premiums can be covered by your employer. So you could have like an employer covered premium where for employee only coverage, you don't pay anything a month. And then other times, if you want like a better plan or a higher rate of coverage or certain specifics, you might pay a really, really low amount. And then depending on a lot of different things, depending on if you have kids, Taylor said dependents. And also in the insurance world, dependents can also be your spouse. So when it's taxes, you have your dependents are your kids, but in insurance, there's two different groups. So in the insurance world, dependents are anybody who's not the main subscriber. So the main subscriber is who the benefit is through. It's usually like the person who's employed and is offered the insurance. And then their spouse, their domestic partner, and their kids would all be considered dependents. Anyone who legally is tied to you relies on you. You can add them in. Not your sister, though. 
not siblings, not your mom. Even if you like take care of a sibling, there would have to be like certain legal actions you would have to take, but not your mom, not your pet, not your roommate, only people who are like legally tax obligated. Okay. This is where I get confused between deductible and out-of-pocket max. I can think I'm jumping ahead to out-of-pocket max because I think I understand that one because that is the max per year that you would be required to pay depending on what happens to you. So you get in a car accident, you go to the hospital for like five days. It costs (laughs) $500,000. Yeah, half a million dollars, but your max out-of-pocket is maybe like five grand to say. So I only pay five grand and apparently my insurance kicks in and pays the other $495,000. Yes. And so there are some asterisks on, for all of these things, it's a little bit unfortunate. There's in-network and out-of-network. I'll go into that a little bit deeper in a minute, but yes, deductible, that's, or out-of-pocket max, that's spot on. Deductible is a little bit tricky. I think deductible is easiest to understand when you give like a car insurance example. So like on my car insurance, I have a $500 deductible. So I pay my monthly premium. I pay my monthly charge for car insurance. And then I get in a car accident and the damage is $2,000. Well, all I have to pay is my deductible. So I pay $500 for my car insurance, and then the other $1,500 my car insurance pays for. So when it comes to medical insurance, you would have a deductible. So like, for example, a plan that I work with often has a $250 deductible. So you go to the doctor, you're not feeling well, you have a sore throat, so they're going to like run some tests. You would pay for those tests up to your deductible. And co-pays are not kicking in. And co-pays are not kicking in. So in that example, you paid a copay at the door and then you saw the doctor and then they had to run some tests. The tests were a little bit expensive for whatever reason. Let's say they had to be. And then you pay the $250 deductible and then you just pay your deductible once. And once you hit it, your plan coverage kicks in. Got it. Which would be like your co-pays and stuff. Yes. Your co-pays and your co-insurance. This makes sense because I've had really, really good insurance and an HSA. And then I've gone to just okay insurance. Mm -hmm. And now I have a high before my deductible was zero, which that can happen if you have really good insurance. And that's when you just go to the doctor and pay like your $20 copay. And it basically means that there's like a threshold to care. So you have to like meet your deductible and then your care kicks in at whatever it's supposed to be on the plan. So if you don't have a deductible, then that means that your care kicks in as is starting day one. Which is great. Yes, that's definitely like a really good pro to have. Yeah, because now my deductible, I don't, I can't remember what it is. It's not too high, like. Maybe it's, it's pretty high. I don't know what's high. It's like, I want to say it's like 1500. So it is a little high. My max out of pocket though was the lowest of all the plans I could select. And so with that, there's like a give and take where you may have to pay a little bit more to reach your deductible. But once your deductible is reached, you know, there's like a much lower out of pocket cost, which could help you out with a lot of other things. Like I would say that having like a low out-of-pocket cost would help you from having really big unexpected medical expenses where 
for you who like doesn't go to the doctor that often, like that would probably be fine if you had to pay $1,500 like you would. And then it'd be great to know that your benefits kicked in from there. But where for somebody else, like let's say maybe they have a long-term care need. They like have a diagnosis. They go to the doctor often. They need blood work often. It may not work out for them to like have such a high deductible. Yeah. And even still, like I don't go to the doctor that often, I would say, but I just still go like to basically two times a year, which is that a lot. Some people I know don't go to the doctor at all. I feel like that's kind of like my norm too. Also with your insurance, there are things that are considered preventative. And one of them is an annual physical. So it is to your benefit if you're paying for your monthly insurance. Like I was thinking about it. I've paid for a full year of insurance, like eye doctor, dentist, all of it. And I haven't gone. And in a way I'm a little frustrated because I'm like, shoot, I hope I could go. Otherwise, in a way, I am paying for this insurance every month that I haven't utilized. When there's been things I could utilize it for. I get sick every time after I eat, as I've said at the beginning of this episode. Now we know what co-pays are. Yeah. Well, so we were talking about deductible and out-of-pocket max. And then you had said, once you hit your deductible, that's when your co-pays and co-insurance kick in. And that's spot on. So co-pays and co-insurance can exist in the same world, but they are two different things. So for me, I go to the doctors, I pay $20. That's my $20 copay. I go to a specialist, it's $40, $40 copay. That's kind of what you're paying at the office to see care. And oftentimes co-pays are not included in the deductible. Co-pays are kind of like when you're seeing a provider, when you're like seeking care, like you wouldn't pay a copay for blood work, for example, but what you pay for towards blood work would count towards your deductible. So copay, like I said, is what you're paying to the doctor. Coinsurance comes into play a lot when it comes to like bigger types of care. So for example, you need to get an MRI, your coinsurance is 20%. So what that means is your insurance carrier, they are going to co-pay for that MRI and they'll pay 80% and you'll pay 20%. So that's co-pays are usually like a specific amount. Your plans, when you're looking through them, you should look over your plan summary. It's going to be like a highlight, a rubric breakdown of a lot of the main points of your plan. So you may see on that plan summary, a hospital stay once overnight is $100, or you may see hospital care, coinsurance, 30%. So copays are usually like a set amount, and coinsurance is a percentage that you split with the carrier. Now in-network and out-of-network, the behemoth. Is it not simple? It is simple, but it just can royally screw you over in ways that like none of us could ever be prepared for. Yeah, I've had this experience, a minor experience, but my fiance, he uh, tripped on a tent stake that was in our backyard. We were testing out our tent to get our dog used to it before going camping. He tripped over it and he fell chest first onto the tip of the pooper scooper (laughs) sliced open his chest about an inch like his pec right yeah two centimeters above his nipple he almost lost his nipple there was so much blood fat was sticking out of his chest it was it was really bad so we rushed to the hospital immediately as soon as I saw it like it was like an inch of fat sticking out like how gnarly is that 
So we go to the hospital. He has Kaiser insurance and the hospital is not a Kaiser hospital. So we had to pay for pretty much all of that whole visit. And it was like a a six hour ordeal and it costs quite a bit of money. With Taylor's example, so Kaiser, oftentimes Kaiser has a particular plan where you have to be, Kaiser is the insurance carrier, it's the doctor, and it's the facility. In this example, so like if Justin, Taylor's fiance, he needed to go to a Kaiser facility and he didn't, so he saw an out-of-network provider. So in-network providers, they've signed a contract agreeing to be in-network with the insurance carrier. And with that, they've agreed to see their patients and charge a reasonable amount known as an allowed amount. So if I see an in-network doctor, a lot of times like for mental health, this comes up. So like if I see an in-network therapist, she charges $100 an hour because that's what my insurance has already agreed is a reasonable thing for her to charge me. So we're good to go there. Where it gets really slippery is when it's an out-of-network provider, meaning that they did not sign a contract and they do not, they did not agree to charge any amount. So they can charge whatever amount they like, even if it's more than insurance wants to pay. That's where two things come into play. If anybody could take anything away from this episode, I feel like these are the two things I would really want people to know because these are the two things that for me, I was like, holy shit. I cannot believe that it could escalate this quickly. And I think a lot of fear around health insurance is from how quickly it escalates. Like we hear about the people who like owe so much money. We just joked about owing like half a million dollars. So for out-of-network providers, they never agreed on a particular amount. So there's no such thing as the allowed amount which that's how much insurance says they're willing to pay for something. So for example, I see a therapist. This is an out-of-network provider now in this example. And my therapist, out-of-network, they charge $200. Well, my insurance carrier still only agreed to pay a coinsurance, to pay a percentage of $100. That's how much they said they would pay. They said, we'll pay 80% of what we allow. So if they allow 100, that means they'll pay $80. My responsibility would be the extra $20, but also this provider is charging $200. So now my responsibility is the $20 to get us to 100 and the additional $100 to get us to 200. So now that I've seen an out-of-network provider where I would have typically paid $20, I'm now paying $120. So that's probably what happened with Justin's hospital visit with Kaiser being his insurance and the hospital not being a Kaiser hospital. They said, we agree to pay a certain percentage of what we think is reasonable and you're responsible for the rest. And the rest was still quite a bit for for six hours, which he was not getting care for six hours. Most of that time, he was sitting there waiting, waiting to be discharged from the hospital. So it's pretty wild. And it's just hard, like I said, like earlier with with your deductible and then your co-pays kicking in. Like it sucks to have insurance and then still be seeing four figures, five figures on your hospital bills. When I had that, I mean, it wasn't quite this bad. But when I had that short-term insurance, I had the plan for about like, 
nine months, I was able to go month to month on it. I was paying like nothing crazy. I think I had picked a plan where I only had to pay like $100 a month because that's what I could afford. But with that, I took a COVID test and I got a bill for $450 after the COVID test was run through my insurance. I was like, how do I pay $100 a month? This COVID test was run through my insurance and I'm still being charged $450. At the end of the day, I was able to jump through a million hoops and get it covered. But still, it's frustrating that I even had to jump through a million hoops. Yeah. And one of those hoops that I've heard is that you need to call and ask for an itemized bill on anything that you get done, especially a hospital stay. Yes, I've definitely heard that. That's more on the like provider side. So that's something you would like ask the hospital. I work mostly on like people talking to insurance, not people talking to their hospital. But yes, there's a lot of ambiguity in the way insurance is broken down. But there's also a lot of ambiguity in the way things are charged. And it's really unfortunate, but there's actually like no legal requirement for any insurance carrier to tell you. So like we talked about those allowed amounts before, which those are like agreeable amounts that the insurance company has set. Outside of the state of California, there is no requirement for insurance to tell you how much their allowed amounts are. If you're the policyholder, you should be able to know every single detail of that policy. That is messed up. And honestly, I have not heard of the term allowed amounts until right now. And so they come into play a lot. And if you kind of only seek in-network care, then you may not run into it. But for people who don't know, it's just like I said, it gets really slippery. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're in an emergency and you're just worried about living through something to even think about going to the right hospital, you're just trying to find a fucking hospital. Not worry about going to the right one. I broke my toe and I had a panic attack about going in out of network urgent care. And my boyfriend was like, get over it. It's like just your toe and we can Google it. But I do probably have, what is it? Like confirmation bias. Like I hear about this stuff all the time. So obviously it like does seem like a bigger issue to me than it would like your average person. But I do think like you don't know what you don't know. So hopefully you can like, put a name to these things and you can like better navigate when it comes to you and your medical needs. Yeah. It's pretty wild. The system we have here, especially when you hear what other people have in other countries. Uh, I follow this girl, Fran (laughs) I don't know how to say her last name on TikTok. She's German. And she's actually getting, I think, like a master's or PhD in American studies in Germany. So she shares a lot about her perspective on TikTok. And she made a video the other day of what it's like having uh, government provided health care, right? There's no insurance companies. There's no health insurance companies then. You're not worried about which doctor your insurance is covering who's in network or out of network, you can go see whatever doctor, whenever. And I know people say that there are issues with what other countries do, but we have many, many issues here with our current system and these weird nuances being one of them. And it's just outrageous. Like, uh, or 
you know, she also said in Germany, one thing that they don't consider when like having a kid is if they're going to be able to afford going through with the pregnancy in a hospital, which hospital bills here for, especially if you have complications during pregnancy are just astronomical sometimes. And it's so devastating or let alone you have something you get diagnosed with cancer. A coworker I have right now, his wife's been fighting cancer for a long time. He's taken her to Mexico to get treatments because that is like, we are going to Mexico and Canada to get healthcare treatment because either we can't afford it here in the U.S. or there's better options outside the U.S. And we need to look at those as problems. I know this is not what this episode is about, but like, how could it not come up when you start hearing all these things about how insurance works here? It's, ah. Uh. Well, and one thing I never thought about until I like worked in this space is since your benefits are through your employer, that means every time you change your job, you have to completely redo your benefits. Now, for me, it's been like, okay, whatever, potentially I could get a different doctor. But there are people who they themselves have long-term care needs, a long-term diagnosis, their wife, their child, and they already have a doctor they like working with. They've already gotten the approvals to take the prescription they really, really need to take and don't want to have to try like six generic brands just to know that they still need this particular expensive prescription. There are certain procedures that like require prior authorization from your insurance company. Oh, that's the term that I'd actually like to add to our list is prior authorization. So sometimes there's certain care, like for example, on majority of healthcare plans to stay overnight in the hospital requires a prior authorization. So if you don't get that, then initially your insurance carrier will probably deny your coverage, which Imagine having a family member who's sick, you just changed your job, and now you have to start this process all over again. And it's a very labor-intensive, like, the number of emails I get that are like, urgent, urgent, urgent. And I'm like, this is going to take at least three to four weeks to resolve, just because of all of the extra layers things have to go through. So yeah, that's... That's my thought when it comes to insurance, that it can, there are definitely cons to our system that like I didn't even know about. Yeah. Well, and doctors sometimes disagree with each other. That happens. And for example, I've been diagnosed with this autoimmune thing. I went to see this other doctor, told her I had been diagnosed with this in the past. She runs some blood tests and then doesn't believe me that I've been diagnosed with that. So, because she's not, she's like, well, where's your blood work that's shown that? I'm like, I was 14. Like, I don't know where the fuck that blood work is. Like, I could call them, maybe. They're in a different state. I haven't been there in eight years to this doctor. Like, hopefully they have the records. I mean, they should. But still, to go through that whole process and then that whole appointment's wasted because that doctor didn't even believe me. Or even worse, having to get a new therapist and re-explain your, all the trauma you've been through in your life to somebody new that you had to start over with. And what if you don't even like that person? Like, I, I, For me, I'm very particular with 
people that I trust, especially when it comes to anything in healthcare. So it took a long time for me to find the doctor that I have now. And I really like her. And to think about leaving her, I don't want to start over. <laughs> it's, it's so frustrating. To your point, sometimes people have family members who have like disabilities or special needs. And so to find a provider, to find a doctor who is like willing to work with you and understands different types of things and can get you different types of treatment that work really well for you. Like that's a relationship. And so it's interesting too. Like I personally don't have a primary care physician and I never really cared about one. I was like, I'm a millennial. Like who has a primary care physician now? But being in insurance, like I do really see, or being in benefits, I do really see the huge plus of having somebody who's like along your care journey. Now, I don't know if medicine is like set up that way. I think for a long time, like we had family doctors and with the capitalizing and corporatizing of health insurance, we've lost that a bit. But that's like a whole other thing that becomes really difficult for people to navigate. And imagine like you think starting a new job is fun, (laughs) which it is. But then for some people, like it brings up all of this stuff and it can be very intimidating. Yeah, especially because most people do not understand this. Even some of the people that you're asking before, like starting a job are like, well, I have to go see if I could dig this information up because I don't even know. And it's just frustrating to navigate this whole thing because I will tell you, even my understanding that I had before going into this episode, I definitely learned things from you in this episode, but it took me years to even understand premium, well, not premium, but deductible out of pocket. And I didn't know my co-pays didn't go towards, or I guess it's nuanced. So maybe in some cases they do. But yeah, like don't contribute to my max out of pocket. So, oh, see this plan to me, it's so hard to not like see health insurance as a total ripoff most of the time. And I know, I know when a big situations, they obviously really, really helps to have insurance. Yes. I do think that like, as two people who are sitting here with health insurance, like, I hope we don't sound snobby to all the people who don't like we both or I can only speak for myself, but I have been uninsured and underinsured a while in my life. And I know how difficult it can be to navigate, but it still is a huge privilege. Also, I did want to say there was one thing that I was like, wait, actually, that would be really important to say. So back to our core terms, your deductible, your out-of-pocket maximum, those will change depending on if you see an in-network provider or an out-of-network provider. So insurance, if you choose to see an out-of-network provider, not only are you susceptible to like balance billing, which is where your provider charges you for the difference, but your out-of-pocket max for in-network coverage could be $2,500. And for out-of-network coverage, it could be $18,000. So there could be a really big difference there too, where if you stay within your network, you are able to reap the benefits of having like those lowered amounts, a lower out-of-pocket max. But let's say you found a provider that you really, really like, or you need a particular provider because you have some sort of specialized treatment. 
if you see an out-of-network provider, it's not just the initial charge that could be more. It's like the entire setup of the plan. You could wind up paying much, much more. So what you're saying is on our fridge, we should all have the urgent care that is closest, that is in your network. A million percent, Taylor, on my fridge right now is sticky noted. Where do we go? And like, if it's an absolute emergency, like I know the hospitals I do not want to go to. And so I have on the fridge, what's the closest in-network urgent care? And what's the closest in-network hospital? And everybody should do this. And if your partner or whoever you live with has different insurance, then they need their own on the fridge posted. And obviously, if it's like, you're going to die sort of situation. It doesn't fucking matter. You go to the closest one. You go to the closest one. And then we'll crowdfund the rest. (laughs) Yeah, send us the GoFundMe and we'll do our best. When finding your like in-network hospital and when finding your in-network urgent care, in-network doctors, for a long time, I was like, why the heck would I want my insurance carrier's app? Like, that's so lame. Why do I want their app? Like, get out of here. But there are some benefits in the fact that if you sign in, like, through your plan, you do not have to worry about, like, oh, shoot, did I pick the wrong thing in the drop down? Am I in the, am I, did I pick the right network? Am I sure I know what plan I'm in? If you are somebody who's like new to this and you're really not sure how to operate it, the best way really would be to download the app or create an online profile with whoever your insurance carrier is, whether it's Kaiser, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Empire, like there's United Healthcare, there's so many. But if you like download their app or create an online account with them, it'll pull your plan specific details and it'll just cut so much ambiguity out and it'll only show you the information you need to know. So better safe than sorry, especially if you're someone who like maybe your parents haven't had to navigate the healthcare system for whatever reason. Maybe you're from another country. That's my last tip. So many good tips in this episode. And I think we've talked about insurance for enough. Yes. For this one. But there are there's way more. We got there, you know, there's different, there's HSAs, there's FSAs, there's different types there's of There's dental insurance and vision insurance. And there's more terms. There's more things to discuss with insurance. So if you guys have questions, let us know. We could do a little mini, mini-sode, one more mini-sode. Yeah, I would love to do a mini-sode. And maybe we could even, before the mini-sode, maybe we could like throw up what are the questions you have on Instagram. So folks, keep an eye on Instagram. We'll be posting shortly, probably on our stories, like what are some questions you have about benefits? If you could ask like one question before your open enrollment or to really help like connect some dots for you. And then maybe we'll do a little mini so diving into different types of plans and how they work with all the terms we learned here today and try and paint a better picture for y'all. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> I think so. I'd be down to do that. Taylor, are we, I'm committing right now. Okay, we're committed. So like I mentioned at the start of this episode, we're winding down our season one. It has been so exciting. We are going to take a little mini hiatus because, you know, wintertime, holidays, all that. So I think we have one more, well, one and a half more episodes for you for this season. So you'll see those come out and then we're going to ghost you till the new year. We're going to have you being like, oh my gosh, where are Jacqueline and Taylor? We need new honey and heart. And then 
2022, baby, it will be right there. We're going to hit you so hard in a good way. So what do you want to see from us in season two? We would love to know. We'll also post this up on our Instagram. Jacqueline, I feel like Honey and Heart has evolved in this last year as any as anything does, right? We're aging like a fine wine. So with that, you know, we want to align more into what we evolved with. So we want to know what you guys think, what you want to hear from us. We have some directions, so you're not dictating at all. I'm sorry. We're still driving the ship. You know, you're just riding it. You're just riding it. And it's a fun. But we want it to be a comfortable ride. Yeah, for sure. Because ultimately, we're here for you. So look out for all that. We drop new episodes every other Wednesday for now. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and for being a part of the Honey and Heart community. We've got a few more episodes, so we will see you for the next couple of weeks, but definitely make sure that you're following us on social media, that you're subscribed to the newsletter so that during our hiatus, you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. But with that, thanks so much for listening. Bye, Jacqueline. Bye, Taylor. (music) 